First Samuel 10, we're going to look at King Saul and his anointing tonight, uh, just this uh, first part of the chapter, and I, I want to see if we can, uh, the Lord will show us something from his word. But First Samuel chapter 10, verse 1, then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin of Zuza, and they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses, and sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Then shall thou go forth from thence, and thou shalt come into the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three kids, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, which uh, thou shalt receive of their hands. After that thou shalt come into the hill of God, where there is a garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass that when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabaret and a, and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy, and the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. And let it be when those uh, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasions serve thee, for God is with thee. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings, and to offer sacrifice, sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry, and I will come to thee, and show thee what thou shalt do. The last one I want to look at tonight, and it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for its truth, and Lord, I pray that you would use me, and Lord, that the Holy Spirit would not just fill me, but each of us tonight. Lord, that we could learn from your word. Lord, challenge us and encourage us. Draw us closer to you, and Lord, we thank you for all things. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. amen. So this, uh, in, in Samuel chapter 8, uh, verse 5, the children of Israel tell Samuel, Samuel's the prophet at the time, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. They wanted to be just like the other nations. Uh, the problem was Samuel's getting older. His kids were not following, just kind of like Eli. Uh, Samuel's kids were not following the Lord like they should. So they want a king. Uh, and here's, here's the thing. They want a king to lead Israel. And the Lord said, I'm leading you. So if you want a king, you are replacing me with a man. And that's what they wanted. And, and you know, have you ever heard, I've, I've said this before, but I think it works right here as a, as a reminder. Have you ever heard people say, well, if the Lord doesn't want me to do that, he'll shut the door. That's not always true. Because if the Lord didn't want them to have a king, that was not in his will. That's not what he wanted them to do. But he told Samuel, I'll, let, I'll give them what they want. He didn't shut that door. He said, I don't want you to go through the door, but if you choose to, I'll give you a king. And that's what he did. So we have to be careful, right? We have to be careful about uh, just saying the Lord will prevent me from making every bad choice. He didn't do that in Genesis chapter 3, right? 
We have to just use discernment and figure out what God wants and follow that. So the Lord could have said no, but he didn't. Uh, and he gave them what they wanted. So at the end of chapter 9, uh, Samuel and Saul are traveling outside of the city. Samuel sends away Saul's servants, so it's just the two of them. So the passage we read, it's just Samuel the prophet and Saul that's going to be anointed king. Uh, there in verse 1, so Samuel takes that vial of oil, pours it out on him, makes a mess all over the place, uh, kisses him. Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? So you think about this uh, ceremony of him being anointed king, and you think, well, it's not really a big ceremony. I don't know if you saw this not a couple months ago, I think it's when it happened. You know, in the UK, Queen Elizabeth died, and they just crowned uh, Charles, I think is his name, as the next king. And, and it, it wasn't just two people there, right? I mean, it was a huge affair, right? They had people from all over the world coming, uh, all these leaders coming, uh, all the pageantry, the horses, the marching bands, the soldiers, uh, the TV cameras. And then when they actually crowned them, if you saw those pictures, they had... Uh, uh, crowns and it wasn't fake gold and fake jewels it was real gold and priceless jewels of the scepter and the crown and everything else but here it wasn't like that no tv cameras not even another witness was there just samuel anointing saul no fanfare no palace none of those things and you realize saul knew that his life would never be the same Right, He would be the king, he'd ne his life would never be the same, uh, and he'd have the weight of the whole kingdom on his shoulders, and he could have said no, but he didn't. He lets Samuel do this, he doesn't reject him, and see it's the Lord that chose him, the Lord's anointed him, that's what Samuel said, although Samuel's actually pouring out the vial of oil, he's saying the Lord has anointed you, uh, Saul, and uh, again, he doesn't stop him, but he's saying, hey, uh, here's your responsibility, the Lord is anointing you and trusting you to be captain over his inheritance, and I thought, that's a good reminder for us today, yeah, we're not kings, you know, we're not, uh, that's not what we are, but the Lord has called us for certain things, he's anointed Anointed us for certain uh, tasks and jobs and callings, whatever you wanted. Uh, but he has uh, chosen those things for us. And I think the same thing. Uh, you know, he's chosen me to be pastor. That doesn't mean this church belongs to me. This is not my church. He is merely putting it in my hands uh, so I can uh, be lead what he's got. It's his church. Amen. Same thing with all of us. Even no matter what, it may seem like a small job. Uh, we're doing this for the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's his. He's put us in charge of these things because none of it belongs to us. But then it gets real specific. So you notice in verses 2, 3, and 4, the first part of it here, uh, you know, all of the details. I mean, you know, the Bible, if you read through the Bible a lot, you'll realize the Bible uh, doesn't give a whole bunch of extra details. Amen? It doesn't tell us every single detail we want to know. But if the detail is in there, it's important. And one thing I noticed right here, there's a whole lot of detail in this. That's not normal for the Bible. Right? What's he say? You're going to go out and you're going to find two men by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin at Zelza. And, and they would say unto thee, and then they said specifically what they're going to say, talking about the donkeys they've been looking for in the chapter 8 and, and, and chapter 9. And then they're going to say, what shall I do for you, my son? Then Saul's going to keep going forward. He's going to go to this plain of Tabor and he's going to meet, look at this, 
three men going to up to God to Bethel. One's carrying three kids, and another carrying three loaves, and another carrying a bottle of wine. That's a lot of detail. Three men carrying three different things, and specifically how many of each thing. Now they will salute thee, all three, and give thee two loaves of bread. So the guy that has three is going to give you two, which thou shalt receive with thine hands. And I thought about that. That's really specific. And you know what? I don't know if you've seen on TV or heard or maybe experienced before you were saved. Uh, these modern day psychics. Have you ever heard? Whenever they give some kind of prediction, it's not specific. Right? right? They'll tell you something like, well, uh, I can see some trouble ahead for you. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, anybody can say that, right? Right? They'll say things generic like that. And it, but that's not God. Amen? That's not the Lord. He, he can give it in such detail that nobody would be able to guess. Nobody, And even today, see, uh, if, if he was setting out on a journey today, we could text ahead and say, here's what needs to happen. That couldn't happen then. But this is easy for God. This isn't even hard. He can see the future. I'm glad he knows tomorrow, don't you? I'm glad he knows what's going to happen. And he can make it absolutely sure. I think what God is trying to show Saul is it's not Samuel that's calling you. It's me. Because Samuel can't predict all of this unless the Lord tells him. Keep going. Verse 5, and thou shalt come to the hill of God. There's the garrison of the Philistines. Uh, when thou come to pass, they're going to meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place. And again, what do the prophets have? This is a lot of detail. A psaltery, tabret, pipe, and a harp before them. Well, I don't know how often all four of those, but all four of them are before him, and they shall prophesy. So again, more details, and six, and the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall be turned into another man. And he's saying, hey, by the time you get to the end of this, you're going to be prophesying with them. You know, I don't see where he took a prophecy class, right? I don't find that in there. He says the Spirit of the Lord, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit yeah. in the Old Testament, Right? will come upon him and shall be turned into another man. You know, people argue whether Saul was saved or not. And here's the thing. I can't tell if you're saved or not. I can tell if I'm saved. But I'll tell you what the Bible says. We'll just go with that. And you can, uh, people can argue. It says, hey, the Lord said, Saul, if you do what I tell you to do, which would have been by faith, right, to walk away and to do this, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. You're going to be a different man. Skip down to verse 9. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go, from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. So as soon as Saul walked away from Samuel, he had two choices, right? Number one, he could do what God just told him to do. You go to Rebecca's sepulcher, or he could have said, you know what, I'm going back home. I don't want this. He had two choices. And as soon as he walked away from Samuel, that first step he made toward uh, Rebecca's tomb is that first step that he walked by faith, that is when God gave him another heart. That's what it says. He made that choice to follow uh, uh, Rachel Sepulcher, to follow the Lord's instructions, and uh, God gave him another heart. And I thought, well, wait a second. Which heart did he give him? 
Well, I'm glad you asked. Lord later says to Israel, Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and take away the old stony heart out of your flesh and I'll give you a new a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. I'll tell you what, uh, I'll tell you from firsthand experience, I don't know what he did with you, but when I got saved, he didn't give me, he didn't take out the old stony heart and give me a new stony heart he gave me a whole new heart amen. amen that's what happened a different one and then it made me wonder do you have a new heart you can't get one without jesus christ yeah. and without coming to him by faith and that's what saul did he stepped out in faith to do this so when saul responds by faith i like the end of verse nine it says all those signs came to pass that day nothing was uh, missed no detail was wrong. Nothing was forgotten or anything else or late. All came to pass. And then that a blessing? I'll tell you what, you hang around me long enough, I'll fail you over and over again. We'll fail each other. Aren't you glad he never fails us? His promises will never go incomplete. Every time. But look back up at verse 7. And let it be. When those signs are coming to thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And what he's saying is he's saying this a little strangely worded, but he's saying once you see, once you step out in faith, and once you start to see the first pieces of evidence of that faith, right? God doing what he said he would do. Once you get to Rachel's tomb and you see those two men with the message from, uh, from your father, once you see that Saul, that should start, you should immediately start to see results of your faith. And every time that happens and you see evidence of your faith after you do it, it should remind you to keep going. Right? It should remind you to keep following the Lord's, Lord's instructions. Remind us to keep serving the Lord. And that's what I think we need a reminder too. Is when, I tell you what, we have seen God move. Amen? We've seen prayers answered. Every time we get another prayer answered, it should just push us to keep going. And to keep praying. Amen? That's what he's saying. And don't you forget, God is with thee. God's with you. He's with us. You know, as a king, Saul would go through a lot of things over the years. Uh, he'd have trusted advisors, but they wouldn't always be with him. Uh, you know, uh, spouses, they won't always be there. Kids, they won't always be there. Your best friend might not always be there. But aren't you glad the Lord said in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He said, God is with thee. I'm glad he's with us. Amen. So what comes next? Saul's chosen by the Lord. He's anointed by the Lord to be Israel's first king. And now what? Well, Deuteronomy 17, I, uh, it, I can't remember. It was about a year, year and a half ago. I, I really hit this passage and realized what it was saying. I read it uh, different times over the years, but I, it really hit me. At the end of Deuteronomy chapter 17, in the law, way before this time, God gave instructions. And he said, there's going to come a day where you're going to want a king. This is before they went to the promised land. He said, you're going to get over there and you're going to decide one day you want a king. 
And the last verses in 17 say, now it starts off with, now make sure the king's one of your brethren, not some other nation. And it says different things like that. But by the time you get to verse 18, uh, this is the one that stuck with me ever since I, uh, like I said, about a year ago. It says, he shall write, this is the king to come. He shall write him a copy of the law in the book out of that which is before the priests of the Levites. Verse 19, and it shall be with him and he shall read therein in all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all the words of, it, of this law and those statutes to do them. You know, what the, you know what God was saying back in Deuteronomy? He said this first five books of the Bible, If when that king comes, I want him to go handwrite his own copy of it. Now remember, today you can go to the store, you can download an app, you can Google it and get the Bible just like that. You couldn't do that back then. They had the copy there, uh, and he would have to go and handwrite, you know, I don't know, an hour or two or whatever a day until he had a complete copy. Now, I can't find a single king that actually did that. The Bible never talks about a king doing it. But God said, that's what I want you to do. And once you write it out, I want you to keep it with you. And, And not just keep it with you, I want you to read it every day. And then I want you to follow it every day. Now, if he wants a king to do that, I think he wants us to do the same thing. We don't yeah. have to handwrite it out, but he wants it with us every day, hidden our heart. Yeah. He wants us in it every day, and he definitely wants us following it every day. It's a little commercial. But just two years into being king, what's Saul do? The Philistines are about to attack. He's waiting for Samuel. He gets impatient, and he decides, well, Samuel's not coming. We've got to do something. I'm going to offer the sacrifice myself against what God told him to do. God has never said that a king could do that. In fact, the only king that would also be a sacrifice or give a sacrifice, that's Jesus Christ. That's it. So he he goes and he does this against the Lord. And then many years later, uh, he's told to utterly destroy the Amalekites. And to get rid of all the stuff and get rid of all of them and just wipe them off the map. That's what God wanted. Burn everything. But instead, Saul chose to save the king alive, Agag. And they took the best of the flocks instead of getting rid of it. Again, he disobeys. And at both times, the Lord tells him, you know, that he's rebelled. 1 Samuel 16, 14. But the Spirit of the Lord, capital S, departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. 1 Samuel 28, 6, And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. And remember, at the end of his life, he goes to find the witch of Endor. Remember, that's the last thing he does. Calls up Samuel from the dead and asks what to do next. And the next day, him and his son Jonathan die in battle. And you think it's Saul's life, The Lord called him. The Lord anointed him. The Lord made him king. He gave him the Holy Spirit. He made him a different man. He gave him a new heart. But Saul chose to disobey the Lord over and over again. And you know, I was thinking about this today and I thought, Saul got exactly what the Lord said would happen if you went against him. Right? None of this is a mystery. None of this should have been surprising. Again, I don't read where every wrote out the law and got into the law and realized what God wanted. But you know what we would say today? 
I told you so, right? That's what we would say today. I'll tell you what, this afternoon, I was super frustrated. Super frustrated. Monday, you know, holiday yesterday, Monday, I was working, talked to this lady. She gave out her online banking login to some scammer. He deposited two checks. The first one was already bad. And I called her and I said, hey, this next one's going to be bad too. She had taken $1,000 out. And I said, where's that money? She said, well, I've got it. I said, don't you do anything with it. I said, this check's going to come back bad. And you're going to be out $1,000. Don't you give it to a scammer. Don't buy gift cards. Don't do anything. And I spent a half hour trying to convince her that this love of her life was not a real person. I tried and tried and tried. And I said, please, do not do anything with that money. Just hold on to it. Well, today, in the afternoon, after meeting with another person that had been scammed, I pull up her account. Sure enough, the check came back bad. I call her up. Now remember, we talked Monday for half an hour. Call her up today. Hey, that check, it's, it was bad. Your account's negative, thousand bucks. You have the money still? No. What'd you do with it? Right after I talked to you, I bought gift cards, sent it to him. What did I want to say? I told you so. Right? I told you so. And I was mad. How could you do this? I told you, I've been doing this for 15 years. I've seen scam after scam. Over and over again, I've seen people lose money. It didn't matter. It's just sent it on. And I wouldn't say I told you so. And I thought, my goodness, why didn't you trust me? Why? How could you do this? And then as I'm driving home from Marysville, I'm about in Delaware, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know what? Could have told Saul, I told you so. Could have told this lady, I told you so. I didn't say it. But then I thought, wait a second. God didn't just tell Saul what would happen if he went against him. He's told all of us what would happen. Right? He's told all of us what he expects of us. He's told all of us what happens when we're disobedient, what happens when we go against Scripture, what happens when we neglect God, what happens when we don't pay our tithes, what happens when we don't have our priorities straight, what happens when we uh, know to do good and don't do it. He tells us what will happen, right? He tells us over and over again when we don't pray and everything else. Nothing is a surprise to God, amen, right? Nothing, and I'm telling you what, we can't surprise ourselves if we follow the Bible. It tells us what will happen. It is true Every time. And the more I was thinking about that customer that would not listen to me, the more I started thinking of myself. Right? The more I started thinking of myself. And I thought, now wait a second. Jesus Christ. Right? What does he do when we uh, over and over again uh, go against him? Well, over and over again, we do uh, what his word says not to do. What does Jesus do? Amen? What does he do? Does he say, I told you so? No. No, he doesn't. No. He 
said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what he did instead. Saul had everything he needed to be a godly, righteous, successful king in God's eyes. He could have led Israel into blessings and prosperity and everything else. You and I are not called to be kings today. We're not called to be kings to Israel. We're not replacing Israel or anything like that. But you and I have been given the exact same. We've been given everything we need of God to have a successful life in the eyes of the Lord, in the eyes of the Bible. He's given us the Holy. If you're saved today, he's given you the Holy Spirit too. He's given you certain things uh, to do what he's called you to do. We've got everything we need, but where does, see then it stops right there, and then it was up to Saul, how, okay now I'm king. What am I going to do? Am I going to trust the Lord? Am I going to go with what the Bible says? Or am I going to go my own way and and, and reason it out and just do what I want to do and see what happens? I'm telling you, you and I can go down the same path. Right? We can either go with what the Bible says, or we can say, well, this sounds right, or that sounds right, or surely, uh, you know, I don't know if I really, God really wants me to do that, so I'll do this instead. And then we get surprised by the outcome. Why? Why? And then we have a loving Savior Amen. that already knows how much we're going to fail him. Yeah. If you knew at the beginning, the day before the wedding, If the Lord gave you a list of every time your spouse was going to let you down, would you still say, I do? I don't know. Think about it. Right? Right. The Lord knew while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Every time we were going to fail him. And still, I've been saved now 30 years. And he knew every time I'd fail him after he saved me. And he still saved me. I don't get it. I don't get it. And my anger, I'll tell you, I was crossing one of the railroad tracks there in Delaware. And my anger turned to tears. And I was just saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're not telling me I told you so. You're picking me back up. You're helping me get the cross back up again. And you're helping me to go on. That's the Savior we have. And I say, thank you, Lord. He went to the cross to die for our sins so that we could be saved and follow him and serve him. We're not called to be kings, but he's called you to be something. Whatever that is, we need to do it for him. One day we will stand before him in judgment. And I want to be found doing his will. And yes, we'll mess up. Yes, we'll fail him. But I want to be serving. I want to be like Paul. Hit that finish line. Say, I've run my race. Yeah. Amen. Not with my strength, but with his. Yeah. All right. We're going to open up the altar tonight. Such a good God. Merciful Savior. Amen. He loves us tonight. For anyone that doesn't know Jesus Christ. Maybe listening in, I pray that they would come to know him before it's too late. He died for our sins. Not just to save us and abandon us, but to save us and to be with us so we could serve him till he brings us home.
sing Amazing Grace tonight.